It's Oklahoma Archery. Everything archery based out of Oklahoma for Oklahoma. Let's get it started. Welcome, everybody, to another fun and exciting Oklahoma Archery podcast. Um, my name is David Bosca, and we have a great guest here. I've been trying to get him on the show since day one. And it has not happened. We have not been able to meet up, uh, tie up, whatever you want to call it. I'd like to introduce everybody, Mr. Tom Stevenson. Tom hey, David. Tom. Yeah. Um, Tom, tell everyone a little bit about you, just as far as your archery credentials, um, your archery history, and um, how, how, why are you? Why am I interviewing you? <laughs> that's a that's a good question, David. That's a good question. <laughs> Probably because we shoot indoor league together at H and H. But uh, so I, I started archery a million years ago uh, when I was six years old. Uh, my dad was shooting archery, and then my mom started shooting archery, and so I started shooting archery. And that was back when I lived and grew up in Pennsylvania, and everything back there was uh, at that time. That was before compound bows so everything was a recurve bow bare bow they didn't have sights didn't have release aids it was it was all one big happy family so to speak in archery and then eventually compounds came in and releases came in and everything became uh, a whole bunch of splintered into a bunch of different areas but so i started as a kid and, and ended up shooting my first um national championship um when with usa archery hey there we go What's up, everybody? How you doing, Tom? I'm good. It's good to see you. Good to see you, Dave. I haven't seen you in forever. Oh, yeah. What, about three hours? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. So, so what's <laughs> yeah. that title on the screen, Daniel? It says Big Deer Kill and Neil. Nice. <laughs> yeah. For the end of 3D season, it was no nickel, Neil. And for uh, once once we get into indoor season, it'll be Mr. 299, I'm sure. But uh, right, right now, it, before that, it was Need to Kill a Deer. And uh, got that done on the 2nd of October. So we're officially at indoor season now. Tremendous. Tremendous, tremendous. Yeah. So Neil, I was we, just... were, we were just uh, having uh, Tom discuss just a little bit about his lineage in archery. Go right ahead, Tom. No, it's okay. We were just talking about things, Neil. So I, I, as I was saying, Neil, I started when I was six, did uh, my first national tournament when I was eight. Uh, did a whole bunch of youth archery and back there. Some of it was called Joad and some of it was just youth archery, but ended up, I, I won my first national championship when I was 11, did a, a whole bunch of things in different clubs and different Joad programs back in Pennsylvania. Um, and it was amazing there and started doing outdoors and started doing a bunch of things. Um, went to college on a scholarship for archery. Um, I went to Arizona State on an athletic scholarship for archery when archery was a full-up varsity program back then. They're not that, that way anymore, except for a couple. Uh, Columbia has one now on the women's archery team. And there's there's more and more archery scholarships available across the country, which is just tremendous a deal as well. Um, so I went through uh, college on an archery scholarship at Arizona State. Um, did a bunch of more things after that, ended up. Um, I was competing at a high level, uh, tried out for a number of teams, never made an Olympic team, but I made world teams and international teams. Uh, this was all under USA Archery, and back then it was called NAA, National Archery Association. Uh, did a bunch of that, and at some point in my 30s, I hurt my wrist and ended up uh, not being able to shoot for a while. Um, and at that point, I ended up running for the – I was talked into running for the board uh, for the National Archery Association – 
as an athlete rep because I had been on as an athlete and did some of that. I ended up being president of that for a while. I've did a number of different things through that. And then once, um, and then Kathleen and I, my wife, Kathleen and I, we've also coached a bunch and we have a Oklahoma storm Joad team here in Oklahoma. And we've been doing that for oh, 10 or 11 years, uh, helping kids that are ready to go and compete and go out of state, go to uh, regionals and national events. And we've got a team where we limit it to, 12 archers we want to try and do really well with. And Kathleen and I still actively compete. We compete in the, the master's division, which is the over 50-year-old division under USA Archery. And we figure that's how many kids that we can work with well and do well and have you know, a quality experience with. Uh, and so we are really enjoying coaching. And then at the same time, we, do, we compete as well. So we still go to national and national ranking events and USAT events under USA Archery as well. So uh, that's kind of the the thumbnail version, but after shooting for more than 50 years, I could go anywhere you kind of want to go with different things. Um, if that, if that helps. So, yeah, I remember in Lancaster, you and I had went out and ate supper one evening and we were talking back and forth. And the one thing that just stood out to me was your experience with Easton. I was just stammered with that. It just, it just, yes. uh, you know, it's kind of a like, wow, you, you always you would expect someone has to work there. Someone would have to be working in those things. But some of the things that you would tell me that that how y'all tested the lengths and the amount of arrows that y'all would test, it was just it was earth shattering to me so as an individual. Yeah. 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 So so um I went through school as an engineer uh, and and worked in in um, aerospace. Worked for Boeing in Seattle for a while. Worked for Allied Signal for a while. And then at one point decided to go out on my own. And one of the uh, client customers that I had was uh, Easton. And I did some work with them first temporarily. Then I came on. I was almost full time with them as a, as a consultant. Uh, we lived in, uh, at that point, Tucson, Arizona. And uh, I was going over to California and Salt Lake City like one week a month and doing a whole variety of different things for them. And one of those projects is I, I worked with a friend of mine whose name was George Tekmachoff. And we did a R&D project that four years later turned into developing the X-10 arrow shaft uh, was done at a whole different level. And that that was released in 1995, and it's won every Olympic gold medal since then. Um, so that was kind of a, a fun thing. But we got to test all kinds of things. Uh, and in that situation, it was adding, adding weight back into the arrow. Uh, carbon arrow development for hunting had gotten so good and so efficient and so light that it had gone too light for a recurve bow. And it was adding weight back to get it at the right spot so the arrow could cycle really well. And that was amazing. But we got to work with shooting machines. At one point, we had a $40,000 shooting machine that we worked with. That was a, a copy of one that they borrowed from a, a guy they knew that owned a worldwide cosmetics company. Um, and, and just he had an antique car collection and had his mechanics make the most amazing shooting machine ever. And we got to to borrow that for a summer and we were shooting and testing everything possible. Uh, the uh, Easton distribution center in Salt Lake city was like a 120 yard long lane. And for a whole summer, we just shot arrows out of a shooting machine with all every bow you could do every arrow you could do. It, it was pretty amazing to do, but we did all kinds of different things. If, if that's kind of some of the stuff you were asking about, Dave. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I remember that. And when you said the shooting machine, that dawned on me. Oh, that's yeah. right. I, oh, I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, that, that guy, awesome. I remember he he owned Merrill Norman Cosmetics, 
and he had an antique car collection of like more than a hundred cars that were anywhere up to you know present day to you know cars from the 20s and 30s just and he, he had like a staff of mechanics that did nothing but work on his cars uh, and a good friend of mine uh, don rapska who worked at easton was a friend of his and he used to uh, i got to shoot with him one year in las vegas he lived in california uh, and this guy he would fly in on his jet to vegas shoot his 30 arrows and fly home and then come back the next day <laughs> so he and he had this shooting machine made for him that was unbelievable to try and test his arrows and test his bows and figure out which ones it would shoot. So it, it was kind of fun to see that. Well, that kind of makes sense as to why you're so analytic on, on how you approach yeah. things. Um, I remember one time, and it was probably a couple of years ago, I had asked you a question about, and I forget honestly what it was yeah. on my end, it was, I'm pretty sure it was the arrow shaft or, or I was having this happen. Oh, I know. I think I was having a little drops on my arrows and I was trying to figure it out. And I'd asked you one day up here at the range and you had said, well, it could be this, this or this. And I went, oh, okay, I'll try that. And we said, yeah, but now wait a minute. On a recurve, we'd also check this, this, this. Okay. Okay. He said, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll check all that. He said, well, no, that's, that's not all of it. Still, you need to go back and check this, this, and this. And it was like eight, six, eight, ten things. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I was expecting one or two. And and I was like, wow. And I knew, okay, this is my kind of guy. <laughs> fun, 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 fun. Yeah. Yeah, just w when you're around for so long and doing so many things and then and you work some in the industry as well, you just kind of accumulate stuff. I don't know how to better explain it than that. So. Uh, that's what it seems like. So, but that's fun. But to talk about shooting indoors. Um, one of the things we wanted to get out there is that the, uh, the indoor league that all three of us shoot in is at H and H shooting sports. And you can now sign up for the indoor league there. It's going to start on November 7th. Um, so if people out there see that they can go sign up for it, um, down at H and H and pay the H and H guys. And hopefully we'll have another full indoor league again this year. And that's open to, Everybody, anybody, anybody, right. anybody. Last year we had about half recurve shooters and half compound shooters, and that was fun. We had a good league again. Some years we have like a waiting list, and some years we're almost full. Uh, a few years ago we had five or six of the best compound shooters in the whole area of the country. It was amazing. I remember uh, Sly had maybe dropped one or two points in 10 weeks. Uh, so it's it's kind of amazing. It's a different mix every every year. Um, so, but yeah, it's going to be Tuesday nights this year, if that helps. Tuesday nights at six o'clock at, at six o'clock. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sign up early. You'll take, you register with them at the people behind the counter, pay yep. them, um, and they'll put you on the list and you can show up 15, 20 minutes early, um, stretch and do whatever and explain the break and target styles. Yeah. So uh, leading up to the Las Vegas shoot is going to be a pre-Vegas shoot. So we'll shoot the same thing that they do for Vegas. It's a 30-arrow round. And then after Vegas, so after the beginning of uh, February, we'll switch over to an NFAA face and shoot the five-arrow uh, five in for NFAA face. So up to Vegas, it's just a 30-arrow round. And after that, we're going to try to do a 40-arrow round. So it'll be two games, two games of 20. Uh, we, we'd love to do more than that, but they close the doors now at eight. So we got to be out by the time they close. Um, but uh, yeah, so it should be good. Should be fun to do. Yeah, yeah. So everybody, go go visit with them and get signed up. We, yeah, um, we need to need to keep it filled up. Yeah, yeah it'd be tremendous. And speaking of indoor tournaments, I want to make 
um, a quick adjustment on a past podcast. Um, I had made a statement and was telling Neil that the Iowa Pro-Am had been canceled. Well, since then, and I forget who Neil said it was, someone had contacted him from Iowa and said, no, it's not been canceled. It's been rescheduled for January 12th through the 14th. So I apologize for that, but everybody, it is the week after we thought it was, but we just, I was told it was canceled, and there again, I assumed, and I am mistaken. (laughs) So, well, Tom, um, let's talk a little bit about um, you and Miss Kathleen, how you, what made you, and what, you came to Oklahoma, and you started the Oklahoma Storm. Yes, Um, yes. Explain why why Oklahoma? Why did you want to start a, a, a team here? Well, you did say why to help out the young ones getting ready for college, but what are your credentials for that? Because I want to go into with what you got going this coming weekend. Also. Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, Kathleen was born and raised here in Oklahoma, and we, we were living in Arizona for a long time after college, and our kids were born there. And when they were getting ready to go to school, there was some good school options back here. And at the same time, our whole family was here. So we decided to move back. And when we were back here and they were younger and getting things going, we were at some point, we also decided, oh, let's you know try and get back into archery. We had a kind of a break for a few years when they were younger. And in looking around, there was a, a great uh, beginning Joad group. Uh, Trosper Archery has a great beginning Joad group here. And they've always had. Back then it was under Miss Jane Johnson. And now it's under Sid Reed. Uh, and that's been tremendous. But we were looking for where do they go from here? And when they're ready to go and try and compete out of state, um, what could they do? There's a lot of good competitions in Texas. There's a lot of good nationally. And there really wasn't any of that. And we decided that would be great when kids are ready to go out of state to compete. Since Kathleen and I had done all this competitions, gone to all these national tournaments and international tournaments. So that's what we started with. And in the early days, it was more like half compound shooters, half recurve shooters on our Oklahoma Storm team. But uh, then it's evolved to mostly be, and right now it's all recurve shooters, either recurve Barbro or Olympic recurve. So we did that, and we started that, I think it was 2012, 2013, something like that. And we've it ended up that we've taken kids to all the national events with that. So the biggest one under USA Archery is Outdoor Joad Nationals. Last year it was in... Des Moines, Iowa, but it's been all over the country. And thankfully, since then, when we've taken a group, we've at least won one national medal every single year we've taken. Some years we've had multiple medals. One year we came back with 11 medals. So it's all, we've been thankful that we have really good families, really good kids. They work really hard, really dedicated, uh, and they've done really well. And that's been, that's been great to help help that a little bit to point them in the right direction. In terms of our credentials, uh, Kathleen and I have both been coaching and shooting for a long, long time. I'm what they call level four NTS coach. That's a national level coach under USA Archery. Kathleen is a level three NTS coach. So those coaching levels you have to go through, you have to go through the coaching systems. You have to do work every single year on it. You have to renew for it. You have to go through safe sport training. You have to go through the national coaching level stuff. Um, some of those classes take 40 to 50 to 60 hours every couple of years to renew that. So that's, uh, that's, that's a lot of that, but it's, it's a good and it's important. And, and all of that plus all of our experience coaching uh, has been beneficial to help the kids in Oklahoma. That's no doubt about that. And I'm going to tell you folks um, this weekend, 
Tom and Kathleen is having an open tryout. And like he said, they're only going to have 12 people on the team. Due to students going on to college, there's some openings. So I highly recommend that you contact Tom and Kathleen, and we'll give you all the information. We'll put it in our credits down below. We'll do everything we can to get his information over to you. But definitely get a hold of him. If you have aspirations for your child to learn proper fundamental steps, and I'm going to tell you, I've sat and watched this. The things that they do one-on-one, I don't see with other coaches. I mean, it is really phenomenal to set. And I, I, I've seen you and Kathleen both walk up to uh, a shooter, and, and you're picking out one little thing. Okay, you need to do this. And a little bit later, you'll go to someone else and go, look, now you're falling back or whatever it is you're saying. And you're, you're, you're pinpointing one thing and not doing a group, hey, go shoot balloons. No, we're not shooting balloons. We're working on stuff. There's classroom things I've seen you do with your students. And they're shooting uh, line stuff that you do with your students. It is a true coaching scenario. And that's coming from me from playing uh, ball myself. I actually see the coaching aspect of what you do. Well, thank you, David. I, I appreciate that. Um, it's it's fun to do that and, and work with kids that are um, really motivated. Uh, and a lot of them now are, are you know, not only shooting um, – four, five, six days a week, but then there are some of them working with a personal trainer. Some of them are doing other physical activities to make themselves stronger so they can really do well in competitions. So all of that has been outstanding and it's, it's great to work with them when you see them working so hard and trying to do so well. And the, um, so the tryout this weekend is going to be uh, Saturday afternoon on the 21st of October. It's at H and H shooting sports. It'll be from three to five. Just come on down there and come to the archer range and you'll, and you'll find us. Um, and it's be anyone who's interested in shooting Olympic recurve or recurve barebow. Uh, and if so, some of the kids we have started with NASP and are ready to switch over. Uh, so we've worked with that as well. Uh, and uh, just come on down. We typically have done this once a year. Some years we haven't had it at all, but we've got a couple spots, like David said, open now because of uh, graduation. And, uh, and so that's, we're looking forward to it. Um, I'm sitting here reading through your bio. It's just, there's so much that we could dive into, but I, what I want to talk about was the other at something that you're, I think you put your heart and soul into it. And that is your, and I'm going to have to read this cause I cannot remember it. Your <laughs> okay. Archery path performance and now analytics and equipment tuning optimization platform. <laughs> yes. That's a mouthful. That is huh? a mouthful. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, what is that? Okay, yeah. so so along the way, one of the things we've really, really focused on, given all of our experiences, but also because I worked in the archery industry and I did so much with technology, is really trying to focus on the equipment tuning aspect to really get that to be the best it could be. And we've been doing that, you know, this, this whole entire time, but we've really kind of on the cutting edge of that. Um and we've really kind of focused on that because it can be a really big deal. It can be so much better when you have a, your equipment tuned well. As an archer, you can feel it. You can tell when it's better. And then you gain all kinds of confidence uh, 
and then you want to work harder and then your shooting gets better and you get more confidence and it just keeps going and going. So we've really, really focused on that. Along the way, I developed a number of individual little software tools that would help different things to figure out what arrow spine you needed or what would be the best performance aspect of this or that. And I've been working on trying to put those together and we now have that together in an online platform, it's called rtruepath.com, and you can sign up and you can do, there's a way to do a 30-day free trial on it. There's a way to do subscriptions for it. There's all of that out there. We, um, we've we only put that out this summer. We haven't even done any advertising for it yet. Um, USA Archery, we've been talking to them about this for several years while we were doing testing for it. They had us go on their coach symposium, which was a virtual online symposium back in uh, earlier this summer, I think it was in June. And we went, they had us lead off and go first. Uh, and that was just tremendous. And we've gotten all kinds of feedback since then. We've had all kinds of people sign up We've um, because of that. And it's it's been a tremendous focus on the technology side. And it's more than just trying to figure out what's the right arrow spine for your bow, but it's what's the right weight, What's the right length? How much of your arrow should be forward of the plunger? What different brace heights you should test? Different limb speeds on different bows. There's all kinds of things that you can jump in there. And they have a big effect with uh, with archers in competition. Like I said, it also goes to the confidence side of it. So, so that's just been tremendous, and we're trying to do more of that. We had a booth at the Las Vegas tournament last year. We're going to do that again this year. We'll probably do something at the Lancaster Archery Classic again this year. Um, so it's been good. We've also been doing seminars around the country. We we were up in Seattle in September and did a, uh, a group seminar where we actually helped nine different people tune and optimize their bow. Uh, we had three different coaches there at the same time that we were working together to do it as a group. And we've done a couple of those around the country now. We've done one in Chicago We've done one in Reno, Nevada. We've done one in Phoenix. So as we as we do more of this, we've been able to work with better and better archers. We've worked with now two of the top eight U.S. men. We've worked with three of the top eight U.S. women. So we've been not only doing stuff with our own group and ourselves and our own JOAD team, our youth team, but we've been able to do more and more with higher level shooters. And it's really helping U.S. archers to, to try and do really well internationally. And that's one of the other things we're doing. So that's that's how that kind of pulls together. Uh, and it's, you know, we kind of lump it under something called performance analytics. So it's information that helps your archery performance. Um, and uh, and we're, we're excited about that. If that, does that help explain it some, Dave? Yeah. So your basis of your business for this, uh, your business structure, are you <laughs> wanting the people to go sign up and use it? And you'd mentioned some coaches at some of these. Are you wanting to certify these coaches on how to use this for their team? We, we've actually been asked about that, and I think we will end up having to do that because we were we want to work with individual archers, but we also want to work with parents and families and with coaches to try and get that education and information out there on to better help archers. And we've, we've had a number of coaches show up to our seminars just to watch what we're doing so they can help it with their, with their kids on their teams. So there's, there's different levels of subscriptions that you can sign up for based on if you just want to be one archer, it's less expensive versus if you want to have, you know, be a coach and have 10 archers or 20 archers you can work with. So there's, full up databases of information on arrow shafts and points and limbs and bows and risers and everything. And right now that's all for recurve, Olympic recurve and bare bow. But 
we've been asked if we want to eventually get into the compound side. So that's something that I hope we'll be able to do later, but not, not initially. So, but that's on your radar. Yes, um, absolutely. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Okay. It's a whole different animal, but at the same time, it's, it's arrow bending and it's energies and it's all the things that, that go into what, what makes an arrow try and work well and perform well. And, and it's a different aspect of it in a, in a bunch of ways, but in some ways it's very similar. So we're looking forward to try and do that. And, and actually we talked about that some, I'd love for you to, to do some of that testing uh, at some point, if we can, if I can talk, twist your arm enough oh, into that. I'd um, be honored to, I, I, I don't know if my, uh, I might break the computer on the way that I do stuff, but <laughs> that, I would be honored. I that would be honored. Every, every other time I see you down there, you got a new bow out. So uh, <laughs> I figure you can test quite a bit. <laughs> Tom, I was telling him earlier today, I said he was kind of giving me the overview on the, the program of the information you'd been compiling. I said, you're going to be lucky if he don't put you to work tuning the compound side of it. Cause as much as that guy likes to tinker with Absolutely. different, different shaft and point weight and vein configuration, I think that we could probably keep him out of trouble for quite a while. Absolutely. So, and on, and on that same thing, so um, I'm going to give you some worldwide news. So I'm going to do a, a new, give you a, a Never before heard topic. Okay. So uh, about six months ago, USA Archery asked to, uh, for us to apply with them for a grant through the uh, U.S. Olympic Committee, now called U.S. Olympic Paralympic Committee, Science and Technology Group. And so they asked us and they worked with us to apply for this. And we found out last week that that grant has come through. So we have a grant to work with USA Archery. We got to still finalize some of it, but it's it's there. But it's the first time that USA Archery has ever gotten a grant in the science and technology or in their existence. And they wow. were excited about it because they said this is the same group that does things like work with the bobsled team to try and do aerodynamic drag and try and improve things. And they said that there's only three Olympic sports that had never gotten a grant and, and archery was one of them. So we're really looking forward to that and, and, and seeing how we can uh, try and help some of the U.S. archers more. The science behind swimming. Remember when they had yes. the, it was about their something about their headgear that the swimmers had wore. They they found out that it gave them an advantage, so they had to change out that or their uniforms or something. That's yep. basically what this is. You're going to get to study. Yep. Dude, that is awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's it's, it's a big deal. I'm excited for USA Archer. I'm excited to try and help the U.S. archers go out and, and do better internationally. They've been done really, really well. But at the same time, they want to try and get over that, that hump a little more as well. Uh, and uh, it's, it's fun, especially when you're trying to compete against the South Korean archery team. It's, it's amazing to see the program that they have because in South Korea, they passed a law where corporations can donate up to $10 million a year toward any Olympic sport, and it's tax deductible for them. So there's a lot. I think last I heard it was, it was 90 or 100 archers in South Korea making upwards of $250,000 a year just to shoot for corporate teams. And they have corporate competitions between all these teams. And a, a offshoot of that is they have the best archery program in the world. They've now been putting a lot of that towards golf. You'll see more and more South Korean golfers coming out of that program. So they've been able to put a lot of these corporations, including the Hyundai Corporation, that underwrites a lot of uh, archery in South Korea, it's amazing to see, plus the, the heritage from their country, archery is one of the lifelong type of sports that goes back in the heritage of their country. So they'll actually get 
archery competitions covered on the evening news and such. So it's kind of, it's fun to see that, but they have an unbelievable history there in terms of the Olympics with archery uh, as well. So uh, it's, uh, the U S is, is tremendous, but it's hard when you're competing against the, a, a, a country that has funding like that for athletes. It's, it's amazing and oh, difficult. Yeah. 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 That, that would be, yeah, short of impossible. Um, to yeah. even compete or to be on there would be, be good. And then you turn around and when they can, can compete head to head, that's t- saying something about the raw talent. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. So that's, that's tremendous. Um, so is this program something I remember the first year I went to Lancaster, you were doing a seminar. Yes. So this was the, the, that was the infancy stage of this. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Early on I had, five or different sub different programs to do different aspects. And it was taking me eight, 10, 12 hours per archer to do all this analysis and hook it all together. And now it's all integrated together online and you can do in 10 minutes what before was taking me 10 hours and people can log in and enter their information and it'll show you on the screen with a whole bunch of colored specific dials. There's, there's eight key key critical factors that help go into the performance side of archery. Again, it's not just trying to figure what spined arrow you need, but what it needs for, uh, for really high performance. And those are the things that we've figured out and developed with testing with, we've done this now more than 440 times with archers to help them optimize their performance. So it's, it's, and along the way, we've learned a lot. I, I, will, I can tell you, I've seen some of them coming through up there at H and H that'll travel in for and spend the weekend with you up there working and shooting and, and seeing the different things that you're doing with it. And, and there was one young lady we don't need to say names because I don't know if she wants it out there. Yeah. But I remember, and then at Indoor Nationals, I think I texted you and say, hey, remember this young lady that you had? A, and I remember speaking with her yeah. there at the uh, Indoor Nationals, and she remembered me shooting on the far end of the range whenever y'all was over there doing your work. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's exciting. That's like, that yeah, That was probably Molly Nugent, um, a young lady from Phoenix. Yes. And she's, she's still in the Olympic trials. So they, the U.S. Olympic trials of stage one of it was at Labor Day weekend. It was in Pennsylvania. They went from anybody trying out to the top 16 men and top 16 women. And so they're at the top 16 level and they will stay there until the spring and then they'll cut to eight. And then from those eight, they will continue with competitions until they get down and pick an Olympic team of top three men and top three women. And she's currently ranked third or fourth in the country. Uh, and we've worked with her a, a number of different times. And she was, uh, yeah, she's come in. The last time she came in, she brought three different bows. We helped her tune three different bows. And she won. Uh, she was second in indoors this year. She won the field and in the outdoors, I think she was third or fourth. So she won the overall division award called the Shank Award, where they add all it up outdoor, indoor, and field. And she was number one in that in the country this year for, for senior women, which was uh, outstanding. Um, Seems like right after she left here, she was headed to. Mexico, Central America, somewhere to shoot. Um, yeah. I, I kind of remember that up there. Yeah. Yeah. She's been able to shoot. She spent, um, I think, a month in Australia here not too long ago where she got to go down there and do competitions there as well. So, uh, but uh, yeah, she just, you know, eats, breathes, and, um, you know, archery is, is, is her life, which is fun. It's fun to see it. So, and I think archery's, could be everyone else's life too, but 
the the bank has a hard time accepting uh, <laughs> or, uh Knox. <laughs> That's isn't that for sure? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Gosh, I'm sitting here reading through, trying to think of any and everything else. Gosh, cool. I can be made of questions, but golly. Okay, uh, so how about how about the archery in the Olympics and uh, how they've talked about compounds in the Olympics? How about that? Um, well, yeah. What I heard uh, some bad news. Is it true? Which what's what's your news? I I heard that they had said compounds will not be in um, the yeah. LA Games. Oh, I, I, I have not heard. I, I know that there was um, two demonstration sports that were going to get picked for the LA Games. And there was seven sports that had made applications for it, and one of them was compound archery for indoors. Uh, and I had not heard if there was news out about that. Is there? Did they release news on that? It, we did not make the cut. Oh, we got beat. We got beat out by flag football, I believe. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, that's that's tragic. Um, I would that that would have been really good for archery. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter what it is, it still brings everything to light. Um, and and I, I understand, but dead gum, archery is more fundamental across the world than some of the sports. And I remember seeing this the one that, and they're bringing it back. It's been out twenty eight years, and and I don't remember the name of it. I want to want to yeah. say it's squash or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, it, it becomes a big logistics game at the at the international level. There's a, there's about 200 countries under the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, and to be a sport in the Olympics, you want they want you to be at a world class level in 100 of those 200 countries. At one point, wrestling fell below the 100, was down to 85, and they put wrestling on probation for four years, and they couldn't get it up, and they cut wrestling. Wrestling was one of the original sports for the Olympics back when it started and so wrestling went away and there's all these other sports trying to come in, but they, from what I understand, there's about, a, it's like 15,000 people that they'll have at an Olympics. There's 10,000 athletes and then there's 5,000 judges, trainers, coaches, etc. And it's, it's all about logistics. So they, they've capped it. You can't add anymore. What you can try and do is, is shuffle them around between sports. And so, when sports aren't competing in enough countries, one goes away and they're trying to bring another one in. And then each year there's a host country for the Olympics and they let them have one or two demonstration sports. And that's what they were hoping for in L.A. for the uh, for indoor compound archery to be in. Um, and it's interesting. Everybody thinks about indoor archery as wintertime. But in the Olympics, if to be a winter sport, you have to either be on ice or snow. And that's all the winter sports. So it'd have to be a summer sport for indoor archery, even though in archery you typically do it in the in the winter. So. And some of the things that I studied and read about also was the upside that they were selling for the compounds is that the building that they were going to be able to use for the air rifles, their indoor air rifle range, could make the or would work perfectly for the 18 meter indoor. The only minor changes would have been they had to change some light bulbs or light fixtures. Um, so it was a minor. So when they built the building, it could be used for multiple sports. Um, and the archers, it was something to do with the count of like what you're talking about. Hmm. The amount of archers coming in would be at a different time frame from where the other archers were, were there. So 
it would have been a trade-off with that. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. For the um, for the typical summer Olympic archery program, they have 64 men and 64 women spots. And they they go for a qualification period over the last two years to qualify spots for each country. Um, and you can either get one spot or you can get three spots. And if you have three spots as a country, you can have a team. So there'll be a women's team and a men's team in the Olympics. And right now we're halfway through that process and the U.S. hasn't qualified a team yet for either men or women. They've qualified one woman's spot and no men's spots yes, yet for the summer games. So they're going through other competitions here in November in South America for the competition uh, championships of North South Central America, which they call the Pan American championships. And then in the spring, if they still don't have it, then there'll be a last chance competition, which last time was in Berlin um, that they will try and get those spots. So they they qualify spots for a country and then the U S will have the complete their trials tournaments. And based on the rankings of those events, you'll fill in like one or th one or three spots from the people, top three people on the ranking list. So it's right now everyone's nervous that we don't have three men's and three women's spots uh, qualified for, because you got to qualify spots before you can send people. And right now it's not a, you know, a slam dunk that we're going to have all the spots. So that's, that's difficult. Um, and we hope has we can happened, get all those. Has that happened before to where we just um, couldn't qualify? We've sent men's teams before. And one time we only had one individual woman and didn't have a full women's team. But it's it's never been neither men or women. It hasn't happened before. And the, the men's team is really, really strong. And we have a couple women's archer. Like the number one ranked archer in the world this year is Casey Caulfield, a U.S. American woman from Pennsylvania. Uh, and, she's, and she's the daughter of Rob Caulfield, who's got Lancaster Archery Supply. Uh, so that's a that's a big name, and she's a tremendous uh, archer. She's she just got her first number one ranking in the world last month. So she she and she's the one who qualified one spot for the women, but they still got to try and do a women's team. They also have a new event this year. It's called mixed team. So they'll take one woman and one man, and it's called a mixed team competition. So if we can get one man spot, then we'll have a men's event, a women's event, and a mixed team event. But you really want to get the team. You want to get the uh, three three people event because there'll be eight or ten or twelve countries that were on the world that can qualify three for the team, and that's a lot better odds to try and get a medal that way. Um, but again, it's just sixty four spots, and if a bunch of countries have one spot, there's not that many spots left for for three of each. So, so yeah. that, what what's cool about that is. 64-64 archers, but they have built a second or a third, no, it'll be a fourth um, medal match with the same people. Yes, yes. That's right. what it boils down to. Yeah. yeah, and like if you look at swimming, you know, swimming will send a whole group over there, and some of the swimmers can come back with five, six, seven medals because they've been in all these different distances. So for archery, it's it's nice that they've found a way to add a couple more. Uh, and, and that's really, really beneficial in that regard. But, you know, for that event, they'll do a qualification round, a 72-hour qualification round, and they'll go one through 64, and then they go straight into elimination. So number one will be shooting against number 64, and it could be nine arrows, 12, or 15-arrow match, and you're done. Sit down and go back, come back in four years. It's brutal. could be done in 20 minutes. And they'll go through a set of brackets, like tennis match brackets, individual one-on-one -on -one matches, and they keep going. And you gotta you gotta survive the gauntlet to get down to the medal match rounds. It's it's 
it's really difficult. It's really stressful. Uh, all these competitions are stressful, but it's really amped up. And it'll be on TV again. It's fun to watch that. Um, last, the last two times they've had the Olympics, one of the U previous U.S. Olympians, uh, Rick McKinney, was one of the color commentators on NBC Sports to color commentate uh, the archery venue. And I, I haven't heard yet whether he's been asked to do that again, but I hope he does. He's really good with that. So You know, Tom, we've gotten 40 minutes into this, and I apologize. I have yet to ask you to tell us about your equipment. Oh, what that's, okay. that's okay. That's <laughs> okay. I, I personally, I shoot a Hoyt GMX riser, and then I shoot Win and Win limbs. Um, so that's Win and Win's got really great limbs. Hoyt has great limbs too. But I've my draw length is not as long as some of the younger guys, and so that combination works great for me. Uh, outdoors, I shoot an Easton X10 arrow. Uh, I use spider veins, a nice little little. Uh, uh, plastic spin veins. Um, and then also um, indoors, I shoot a big, heavy aluminum arrow. That's almost 600 grain arrow. It's a big aluminum. Uh, an Easton 2018. I have a nice custom PDP uh, point that's uh, 210 grains and big feathers. Um, the, the big, heavy arrows, like a lot of the compound guys do, heavy arrows indoors uh, works great. And then on top of it, you get line cutters as well. So the combination of those two things works amazing um, for me. And I'm, I, I know you guys do some of that as well. Some of you guys are trying to get speed, but you really need to go heavy. You really need to go heavy. So uh, there you well, go. That's well, it. well, I went heavy. I've, I've put five extra grains in my tips. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm at 125 now. <laughs> what are you doing? We, uh, what are you doing this we, year? We weighed my arrow earlier today, my VTAC 27, with – uh, 250 in the front and three veins on the back is 606 grains. Wow. wow. And they are, uh, they're the, the bows liking them real well. Yeah. They're unfortunately they hit behind wherever my pin is when it goes off. So therein lies the problem with <laughs> that arrow is it wherever that pin breaks is where the arrow lands. And I, I can't seem to tune the bow to do anything. I keep trying to get it to go to the middle, but, uh, you know, it's just wherever that pin's floating. It's pretty much a pretty good indication of where that error is going to be found. But that's a good thing, Neil. I mean, that's what you want, right? Now now you just got to work on the operator error portion, right? Yep. Yep. Just work, working on my on my shot process right now. I was I was joking with Dave earlier. I, I remember back in the day at H&H, you were, you were watching me and uh, said, you know, I, I'm just going to throw one little thing in here. And I said, all right, this is it. It's all going to come together after this and told me my – my finger sling I was shooting with was too short, and uh, I went and went and made some of them up. I think you had one there that was a little like five and a quarter inches. I think was the uh, the magic number for a finger sling, and shot nine out of ten X's on a Vegas face, and hadn't done that in I don't know how long. So I might need you to I might need you to look at my finger sling again cool. next time we or once we get to the indoor portion of it because Dave was rattling off. I think nine solutions or possible solutions you'd had to one problem. I said, it, it can be really simple too. It can be as, as big as here, your finger sling is four and three quarters inches. And I think you said it was, it, my bow was jumping out of, out of my hand real nice. It just was getting stopped a little bit prematurely and a little bit of finger sling would take a extra length on it would allow that shot to completely cycle and have a much, um, uh, I guess less of a biased follow through and the bow, the bow liked it. I mean, I was doing literally everything the same and they were just 
finding a little bit more middle. So some of that um, very, very minute equipment solutions that can, I mean, take you from an average day to your best day. And it happened instantly. It was pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, I, I remember that day. I remember you shaking your head too. It was just, I, I just got lucky with that nail. It's got it's what it is. But, uh, but uh, so sometimes, um, sometimes it can be one thing that helps dramatically make an improvement, and then you get confidence, and then that confidence leads to harder training. You know, your scores get better. You get more confidence. The next thing you know, you're on a little bit of a roll. That becomes a bigger roll, and you keep that going, and it's all a good thing. So, uh, so sometimes it's one little thing that leads to more. So note to yourself, Tom, when this compound starts to uh, gain traction for your deal, loop li- or, or finger sling length. Ah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> needs to be, a, needs to be in the uh, analytics. Perfect. Perfect. So uh, d- did you end up picking a favorite length there, Neil? Is that what you ended up with eventually? No, whatever it is you told yeah. me to shoot is how I, I I got a I got 300 foot of paracord and I think I made <laughs> I, I I think I made 12 or 13 of them and I took the three that were closest to it and one go. goes in my release pouch and two get clipped on my quiver and um, I've got some shorter ones and some longer ones that when when you burn those ends to that paracord it you get a little bit of uh, play one side or another and so I've got slightly shorter and slightly longer. But no, whatever you, whatever length it was you said to go to that day has been what I've been shooting. I've changed bows since then. So I figure arrow speed, you know, axle to axle different stabilizers are, are just a little bit different. So I'm, I'm probably due for a tune up at some point. That's, that's just tremendous. But you, you hit one of the key things there is you want to test by just changing one thing. You change yep. one thing, it gets better or it doesn't. And then you just you know don't try multiple things at once. So that's that's tremendous that you got there. That's just tremendous. Oh, it was it was night and day difference. I know people out there might not might not realize how how big a thing that can be. You know, I just mo- most people. I think I'm one of the very few compound shooters that even shoots with a finger sling. Most people either wrist strap or nothing at all. And for me, it's always just been I like an open hand. I like to not worry about dropping my bow any. And uh, I've always shot with one, but I didn't know that it would stop my bow from jumping forward ever so slightly. Um, I mean, I could I could try an even longer one and it could be better. But I was telling Dave earlier, I said, if I make the shot right now, they're they're going exactly right there. So I just right now I'm just working on me. I haven't changed haven't changed bow, haven't changed stabilizer. I've just put it together and been enjoying it. I haven't been shooting quantity what i need to for arrows but when i when i when i get warmed up i got half a good game in me and start getting a little tired but we can we can ramp that number up over the over the winter months now that we're not obsessed with deer chasing good that's good very good might still might still have a little problem with deer chasing but (laughs) we might we might not be figuratively or literally out of the woods yet but we're getting there we're getting close very cool Tom, here's a question that I have. Yeah. I don't know why I've never thought of asking you this. Has your and Kathleen's kids, did they ever shoot archery? Yes, they did. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons we started the Oklahoma Storm Team is that when they were teenagers, they were shooting. And, you know, we we drug them all over archery tournaments all over their their life. But when they were in like seventh, eighth, ninth grade, both of them, 
uh, ended up shooting more and more. Both of them have medaled at state levels and regional levels, and both of them actually ended up on the podium at, at the Joad Outdoor Nationals. Both of them did once. They were probably 10th, 15th, 20th ranked in the country, so they were never like top five, but they both ended up shooting really well. They both ended up meddling and shooting and and, uh, and and really enjoying it. Now they're both out of college and, and working, but uh, it's one of the reasons we started the Storm Team was was – we were going to all these tournaments as well. And it's, it's tell you, it's one thing when you are going to shoot by yourself, but when you've got four sets of setups, four bows, four scopes, four chairs, four coolers, because you're on four different fields, you know, you need a big vehicle to carry all that. So we always ended up with a, a suburban or something to be able to, to get all that stuff to archery tournaments. But, uh, but yes, it was, it was, it was fun. And they, they really enjoyed it. Both of them tried to shoot in college, but neither of their schools had archery programs. And so they they tried it, but it was too hard to do it. So I I, I respect your spot about the four bows, four cases, four everything years ago. And I'm talking 99, 2000. Um, Wilma and I was headed to Texas. I believe it was Abilene. And we were going down there to shoot. It was a first-year group of tournaments. It was called the FAST, F-A-S-T, Future of Archery Sports Teams. And we was going down there to shoot it. Um, and I remember pulling up to – it was held out at Buffalo – I don't know why I remember this – Buffalo Gap Archery Range. Wow. And we pulled up – Wilma was back in school getting a master's degree at the time. And we pulled up and – um, I got my, my equipment out and we lowered the, uh, opened the back of the vehicle and she got her bow and she says, or she got her case out and she opened it up. She says, where's my bow? I'm like, well, I don't know. I didn't pack it. She says, well, I told you to grab my bow. I said, no, you said grab your bow case. Did you not pack your bow in your bow case? No. I'm uh -oh. like, exactly. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. So that weekend I shot. So gathering four of everything that you did, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, it's a good thing she was occupied studying for the her her uh, stuff. But let me tell you, that was the first thing she looked at me. She said, did you not pack my bow? Um, no. <laughs> the, I've, I've, got a, I've got a good story about something similar. One, one of the great things that, that Kathleen and I really like about uh, our Oklahoma Storm team is that we really want them to be a team, to act as a team, to cheer for each other, to support each other. On one of the trips to indoor nationals, which was down in that year college station at Texas A&M, one of the kids forgot their quiver and their quiver had their release aid too. But some of them had left earlier than others, and they were able to call back to some of the other Oklahoma families on the team that hadn't left yet. And one of them was able to go by their house and be able to get it from their mom or dad. And so they were able to go down and shoot. But but yeah, not having your quiver, not having your arrows, not having your release, that's not good. But it's it's great when you have a team of great, you know, parents and kids that are working together and uh and that you kind of can make up for some things. It's it's a it's a really good thing. Yeah. Uh, let's see cool. here. Well, Neil, I don't know of any shoots or anything coming up anytime. Um, can y'all think of any anything leagues or anything? I know up in Dewey at the Arrow Shop, he's been doing some Thursday night jackpots got, has gotten started. Um, shout out for that. So if anybody is up that way, check in with Miles and them and see if uh, they're having a shoot. I haven't heard. Um, 
the arrow shop, um, Jeff and um, um, Gail. Gail, thank you, boy. I'm going to be in trouble for that one. I'm going to tell you that right now. They're having a women's only league, indoor league going on right now. So um, um, hit them up for that. Um, I think, can you still hear me, Dave? Yes, sir. I'm looking in my phone. The Connors State Collegiate Team was – Getting ready to have, let's see, the name of it is the 2023 Fall CSC South Ranch Shootout. This is from their coach. Guy's name is Johnny King. He's a good buddy. Says, our team is excited to announce our brand new 20 target. Nope. You, you cut Did out. lose Neil? Yeah, I think we lost him. I think we lost him. Okay. He'll get back yep. in. There you, there I'm you still go. here. I yeah. can't. I I can't split screens very long on this thing. Uh, the, the Connor State guys are doing the 17th, 19th, 20th, 21st, 24th, and 26th. It looks like they're doing a looks like they're doing a paper round and a 3D round of some sorts. So they're trying to kind of raise aware. I know they just opened up a 3D range out there in Porham, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody's ever heard Porum or not. I think it's out, out, yeah, it's out, out eastwards. They've got a ranch set up with an outdoor range and apparently somewhere to shoot indoor. So I think they were going to do it come and go style. That might be something to check into just as far as really late season 3D or really early indoor. But time on the line is time on the line. You can't beat it. Um, so I know they're doing stuff, and I think not this week, but next week is when Oki Land is going to start their um, weekday jackpot shoots. Um, I, I don't remember if he said it was going to be Wednesday or Thursday. I, I was thinking Wednesday, but we might have to check back with Brent on that one just to make sure and get the uh, details right. But those will be starting up soon for you guys to get off work. I think they start them about 645, so you can get down there and beat traffic and get warmed up and – you know, we get we get out by eight, eight thirty, nine o'clock. They do a shoot up style, so it, it's not it's not too late until they start the uh, they start the five spot league. And started. I know what's going on right now. Also, Traditions has a, a indoor league going on, um, and they're probably halfway through. It's probably a little late to get started in on it, but I just wanted to throw out there that that they also have that the Tradition Shop is doing a an indoor league. Um, but gosh, I can't think of anything. What about you, Tom? Hey, is all your archery stuff outdoors? Is it concluded? Uh, outdoor stuff was uh, finished right at Labor Day weekend. That was outdoor nationals. It'll the indoor stuff will start up for us again in January. The only thing we're going to we're going down to an Aggie invite in Texas at Texas A&M in November. And other than that, for us, it'll be getting into indoor league and you know, trying to shoot scores every week and trying to get. Uh, you know, used to shooting on the line and having timing and shooting with other people nice and close and cozy and and getting used to that again and trying to avoid Dave's big, long 34-inch arrows that are in his quiver. <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, so for us, it'll be, you know, getting used to indoors again. Yeah. Um, I know we've all got a mutual friend, Dwayne, and I hope he listens to this. Dwayne, you can't chicken out, man. He's wanting to shoot the indoor league with us, and he has never, ever shot – an indoor league. He's well, let me take that back. He has never ever scored a complete indoor game. And so he's been working on that. And so we welcome him with open arms. 
come on out. I, I've told him a hundred times it is, it's fun. You could stand right beside someone and tell if they had onions on their burger that night to, um, <laughs> when you're shooting. Um, but yeah, yeah. Invite anyone, wherever you're at in the state, go ask your local shop. Hey, are y'all going to do anything? And Hey, ask them if they just want to do a one night jackpot, maybe some Friday evening or something. Just get them to get the local people excited about shooting an indoor game. I think that's what we need to do. And you if got, you do, if you do, let us know and we'll give them a shout out. Yeah. You've got guys that hang out pretty regularly at Oki Land that if there's four, five, six, seven of them and they can, they can all make it on Thursday night, they'll throw $20 in the in the hat and say, all right, let's all shoot for it. Just like, you know, it's not a, it's not a shop-sponsored jackpot, but it's, hey, there's two or three or four guys in here that are all pretty good and they're trying to trying to feel that that pressure you know that that get get in the mental side of 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 shooting arrows that matter and they'll all put 10 bucks in and shoot for it so you know if if there's not something where you guys are at you can be the person that starts it pretty easy it doesn't it doesn't take three or four or five guys and well you're shooting for 50 bucks now that's that's more than a more than you're going to win at your local asa on a weekend well that's exactly right something that you brought it up earlier today neil just walk right up to a guy right beside you and say, Hey, you want to shoot three arrows for a dollar? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's known as the, uh, the Steve Wingo, the one in for a dollar, but you got to go, you got to go double or nothing the next time or you're, you're a poor winner. So <laughs> <laughs> I say, I'm the, I'm the world's worst about it. I'll take that dollar, stick it in my wallet and I'll leave and go home. I might've only shot three arrows. I'm taking the money and running. Do you make him sign it? Oh yeah! Ooh. Oh yeah! Hundred <laughs> percent. Keep keep that one forever. That one's special. I, I've well, never seen you do that, so I, I'm going to have to watch next time, Neil. I was going to say. <laughs> I don't know if I want to challenge you, Tom. <laughs> so, that's well, that's all I've got, uh, Neil. Can you think of anything? Well, we covered the shoots. We covered everything coming up indoor wise. Um, Unless Tom's got some deer killing stories, I think we probably let him go. I don't. I don't. I, I haven't gotten out this year, but uh, I just wanted to thank you guys for for doing this for Oklahoma and uh, being able to bring up up and, and talk about all these topics. It's uh, it's a tremendous thing. Uh, I've heard lots of people out there listening to you. I hope it's more and more, but it's it's fun. I know it's a lot of effort for you guys, so I think it's fun to try and do that and be able to talk about all kinds of things in the state. It's just a, it's an awesome thing you're doing. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. And Tom, we appreciate you. We, we pick your brain more than you may realize. <laughs> um, I, I appreciate the, the friendship and the, and the, and the line ship that we, that we, that we had there. So Tom, thank you for coming on the, coming on. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, everybody. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. Make sure you go to your favorite place that you um, listen to them, like them, subscribe to them. That way you get that little bell notification whenever a new one hits. Um, That's all we got. Y'all take care.